Sales Tuners, Episode 13, Jack Kuzner, Regional Director of Sales at Smarter HQ. I'm of the belief of no means you just haven't said yes yet. Any response is always a good response, or even no response is, is a good response, because I know at some point I'm going to get you to turn. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Sooners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host. And our weekly inspiration comes from Bruce Springsteen, who's saying, like a river that don't know where it's flowing, I took a wrong turn and just kept going. Today, I'm joined by Jack Kuzner, Regional Director of Sales at Smarter HQ, where he's responsible for building out a seven-state territory, providing contextual marketing solutions for retailers, both in email and on the web. Jack admits to being a suffering Cleveland Indians fan, where his motto has become, just give me one before I die. He claims to have been in sales since he was 13 years old, and he's a big poker player because it constantly teaches him how to read his opponents, something he's able to translate back into the sales process. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. A big thanks goes out to the team at Okta for helping make this podcast possible. We all know that a better sales process creates a better buying experience, and Octave is transforming the way sales documents are created, distributed, and tracked. Check out a demo at Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com. All right. Make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash Kuzner. But now let's get to the conversation where Jack describes the energy and work ethic he's picked up from having seen Bruce Springsteen nine times in just the last year. So I am a freak for live music. Um feeling the raw energy of a band getting up and uh, moving an entire 200 to 80,000 people in a stadium is the most exciting thing in the world for me. I go to, I don't know, 30 to 40 shows per year. Um, and anytime there's a Springsteen show within a 500 mile radius, I'm usually traveling to go see him. Um, I actually saw him nine times in the past year. So uh, his energy his work ethic, which is something that I absolutely love and, and thrive off of. Um, guy's 67 years old, plays for four hours and four minutes in Philly. Um, that says everything I need to know about who he is and kind of mirrors my life. And just the energy level he brings every day is is outstanding. Well, I was going to ask you who might be your favorite, but really Springsteen <laughs> nine times in one year. That's amazing. Yeah. I, and my friends kind of think I'm a freak. You know, and my license plate is actually Thunder Road. Because <laughs> um, that is my favorite town, my favorite song, and you know, uh, the line of uh, "It's a town full of losers, and I'm pulling out here to win." Um, not that I live around a bunch of losers, but I'm always trying to win in every aspect of my life. So it means a lot to me. I'm going to refrain from bringing up the Cleveland Indians after you said that, but uh, <laughs> I, I, you can just bring up the Cats, <laughs> but don't bring up the Browns. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Jack, take me way back. Uh, how did you get into sales? Uh, you know, I've been in sales my entire life. I started in retail sales working for my father uh, when he had a store, a retail store in the local mall here. Um, got into college and kind of realized that I had a knack for developing relationships and getting people to buy things. So in college, we actually sold t-shirts. Um, one of my favorite one was Shit Happens at Ohio State. 
uh, <laughs> sold very, very well. And that got me into selling to fraternity sororities, local businesses, um, sold spring break trips while I was in college and it really got into my blood. Uh, once I got out of college, I had my first job, went to Lanier and got to go to sales school at Lanier, Harris 3M Lanier training school, which was, uh, was outstanding. And I really liked just the ability of every day being something different. The idea of going into a job and doing the same thing over and over again would just bore me. Whereas every day, every call, there's something new, there's something different. And I'm always trying to help solve a problem for my clients. And, um, it just really, you know, carried me, carried that throughout my entire career. Uh, so I'd say from 13 till today, um, I've been selling and will continue to sell. I love that, Jack. And it's it's amazing that being in sales, you know, regardless of the fact that we work for someone else, the reality is we, we own our own business, right? It's up to us what we're going to go create that day. And it's it, it's a testament to everything you just said. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it really is great. And it's the closest, it, closest to being your own, your own business owner because you really do own your own book of business, right? If I'm not performing, I don't have a job if, and, I'm, and I'm not making money. If I'm performing, I'm making myself money and I'm also taking care of a lot of other people around me, which is something that I take a lot of pride in. Absolutely. Jack, fast forward to today. Uh, talk to me about your sales process. How does someone decide to buy from you today? So I'm at Smarter HQ today. Um, I've been actually in the digital marketing space probably since 2000, but uh, worked for Exact Target for six years and came over to Smarter HQ. And at Smarter HQ, we're, we actually are an overlay, and it's kind of a visionary sale, so it's a little bit tougher than most um, because most people don't have budget for what we do, or they'll tell me that they have something that we already do. I have an email service provider. But it's my job to, A, leverage my existing relationships that I have today, um, explain to them why we're different and how we're different, and continually educate uh, clients and prospects on what we can do, how we can do it better, and provide a value to them um, in results of revenue uh, over a period of time. So um, I'm doing that today in the process of reaching out to my existing customer base that I have, attending a lot of trade shows, uh, a lot of uh, cold calls, prospecting. And, and when I do my prospecting, I actually have an inside rep that I work with. Uh, she does a great job of saying, hey, who aren't you calling on or where don't you have relationships and how can we build this out together? So we work collaboratively on, you know, here's your patch to, to reach out to. Here's my patch. Um, let's leverage, leverage some names or some existing client bases, clients that we're already working with. And it really starts to become an education process out with our customers. So first touch, um, let, let's, if we can get them on the phone, it's a long 30 minute conversation of, you know, a little bit about what they do, but a lot about what we do and how we're different and why we're different. Um, and then it's always trying to get in front of the customer. I'm a firm believer that when you're behind a phone, they don't always believe you. They can't see you. There's no person, personal touch to the whole thing, but when you can get in front of them, you can actually see their eyebrows raise or their body language or what they're doing. Um, so we always try and get that next meeting to be on site so we can be very interactive with the customers. And then doing that process, it's vetting out, hey, is there budget? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to get done here? Um, and if they have budget, we're, we're driving forward and we'll figure out a way to get a deal done. Even if I come in way too high, um, we're always willing to negotiate and get to a point where it's amicable for both of us. And if they're not, it's how do I keep you into that process, into that long-term um, sales cycle that I can continue to reach out to you, make sure that you're aware of what we're doing and what's going on in our world. 
so many different places that I want to take that, Jack, but I want to start. So break that down a little bit for me. What does your week look like uh, on a typical basis? How are you spending your days? <laughs> every week is di- so going back to my original statement is sales is different every day. So every week's a little bit different, but I typically travel two to three times a week. Uh, where I'll go to a city and I'll try to make two to three sales calls while I'm in those individual cities. But it typically starts out Friday, Monday mornings is where we have um, forecast meetings. So I'm going over my pipeline with my boss, understanding what it is that I need to do. Um, I expect him to challenge me on everything that I'm doing because if I'm, he's just going through the motions with me, it does us both a disservice. Um, Monday afternoon, it's a lot of follow-ups from the follow from the prior week to make sure I'm getting everything accomplished. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, possibly Thursday, I'm on the road seeing two to three customers a day, um, all in between prospecting, looking for things to help me out, uh, doing a lot of posting on LinkedIn. Um, I believe that people like to find your names or, or find out who you are uh, through LinkedIn. So I'm doing a lot of prospecting through LinkedIn as well. Um, and then Friday, it's coming back to the office and wrapping up any proposals or wrapping up any to-dos that came from the week prior. When you're spending that time on LinkedIn, Jack, what are, what are you doing? You said you're spending a lot of time posting, but what does that mean? Yeah. So I, I look for valuable content, right? So people buy from people they like and trust and people learn from who uh, provide good content out there. So it's not just, hey, here's Smarter HQ and why we're different. Hey, I see we, we focus in the retail space today. So, hey, here's an article on retail. And like, for example, today there was a good article that I just read that uh, more, pe- more people are look viewing on mobile devices as opposed to desktops for the first time ever, right? Mobile viewership is a higher. So to me, that's a great article that I was able to find. So I'm going to go out and share that on LinkedIn on my, my view plus Twitter. And then I'll go to specific groups that are in the digital marketing space and post that same article out to the digital marketing spaces. So it's not just, hey, world, come see me. But now I'm getting focused with specific individuals. And if there's something extremely relevant, I will actually go down to one of my contacts within uh, LinkedIn and said, hey, I saw this and I thought about you. And hey, this would be something great for you to see or read. Have you been able to tie uh, sales directly back to that posting? Uh, not to a posting, but I have been able to tie sales directly back to a posting someone else has made saying, hey, I have this problem. How do I solve it into a generic group? Um, there was a company, Manta Media, and they were trying to uh, solve for segmentation within their audiences. And that's what Smarter HQ does. And I saw that and I was able to say, hey, uh, I can help you with this. We went in, presented, and actually closed the deal uh, directly out of someone's post in LinkedIn. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now you said you have um, a, a rep that works with you as well that helps to open up doors. Additionally, when mm-hmm. you're doing cold calling, Jack, what is talk to me about that process? What do cold calls look like for you today? So cold calls, it's not so much the phone call, although I do believe you have to pick up the phone and call someone. Um, but if you talk to some of my clients, they'll say, yeah, I get 32 voicemails a day and it's delete, 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 delete. Um, we do a lot of email and LinkedIn uh, post or, or cold calls. So it's not just, Hey, I'm smarter HQ and I want to sell something to you. It's understanding their annual report, looking for, uh, to doing Google alerts on your customers. So that every time a CEO is mentioned, you may pick up, Hey, here's a pain point a customer's having. And it's then sending them a piece of information saying, 
hey, I saw that this is one of your objectives or this is something that you're trying to strive for. So this is where you're where you're where you guys could use some assistance and based on this posting or this article somewhere. Um, here's how we've helped other clients like yours solve some of these problems. And so it's not just smarter HQ, smarter HQ. It's here's your business problem. Here's how we can help solve it. Or here's how others would solve it. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about how we've done that with other people. Um, and we continue that process along the way. It's not just selling, selling, selling. It's selling based on what some of their pain points are. Now, the flip side of that, though, Jack, you said that uh, the majority of people who end up buying from you actually never had budget for what you have because it's such a visionary sale. Mm-hmm. How are you uh, connecting those dots? Well, first, it comes into asking the question, right? Do you have budget? And and I think in when I look at salespeople in general, most people don't ask that question. But it's asking that question. Are you budgeted for or do you have discretionary budget to go out and make a purchase, right? And so if we can drill down to that and understand where they're at, um, we can kind of move forward. And one of the things that we actually do at Smarter HQ is we actually create a business case where we say, if you make this investment into our platform, we can help you to drive additional revenue. And here's the numbers that we can drive, right? So is it worth a $100,000 investment to drive an additional $5 million in sales? And typically, that's an argument that we will win more often than not. Um, and get people to say, okay, let's figure out how we can get this in here and that we have creative ways uh, that we can help assist in getting a customer in there, whether it's a proof of concept or it's um, uh, leveraging other customers. So we may be at a trade show and I'll see one of my clients that's been very successful with them and I'll see a prospect that that doesn't have budget but they're interested in what we are and I'll put the two of them together because now all of a sudden my client will say, hey, my business has grown exponentially since I've been using Smarter HQ. So I'll leverage them to sell it. I love it. And you, so you threw out the number $100,000. I don't know if that was arbitrary or if that was you know realistic. But what are the, the steps uh, that you're taking? Because you know, I'm assuming, obviously, this is not a, a one-call close. Correct. But what does the engagement look like from the first call, the discovery meeting, till you're wrapping up a, a proposal? That process is typically about 90 days in the world that we're living in now. Usually it's an initial 30-minute call. It's a hour-long presentation on site anywhere from a week to two weeks after the initial call. Um, and then it's finding different stakeholders and, and, and having them understand what we're doing. And then it's really working with them on budget and how we can be creative to get it in for in their time frame in, in that period. And that usually takes 90 days to get that done. Got it. Got it. So you also talked about earlier, you know, you Monday mornings, you're having that meeting with your boss. Uh, You Uh expect him to challenge you on everything that you do. Talk to me about the role you think coaching plays in high performing salespeople. It's probably the most important thing that you can ever do. Um, If you think you're good enough to run to do everything by yourself, then you're foolish because other people bring expertise all the time. I've always had the belief where I want to surround myself. I want to be the dumbest person in the room, right? I want everybody to be smarter than me because it's going to push me to get myself smarter. Um, But I get to learn every day and look at things a little bit differently. And and I welcome it every day. So, for example, just yesterday, um, I was putting together a proposal for a large retailer and I, I went through the entire pricing model with him so he could see what my thought processes were. Uh, how do we understand who the customer is? How do he, He's done business with them before. So, hey, do they have a tolerance for a high budget or is it something that we have to already shoot low to get ourselves in the door? 
And it was really, you know, the back and forth collaboration that we had building out a simple proposal, which I have the authority to do at any point in time. But he gave me insights to how they did, how they worked as a company, right? And then sharing that same proposal with my um, solution consultant, Jason, and saying, hey, Jason, what do you think? Does this read properly or does this not read properly? And he'll tell me, hey, outsider looking in, I'm not a sales guy. I'm looking at this as a client. It doesn't read well, and here's why, right? And so now I have to make those corrections and put it into a more easier fashion. So I'm always of the belief of, of getting help and, and letting people assist me wherever possible because it only makes me a better person. Yeah. So the flip side of that, then, uh, what do you think uh, holds salespeople back from actually hitting their goals? That's, uh, I haven't really thought of it that way because I don't really look at, uh, I don't really spend a lot of time looking at people that can't make their goals. But a lot of it has to do with from hitting their goals is, is they think they could do it all themselves. They're afraid to pick up the phone calls. They're afraid to follow through. And one of the most common things I see all the time when I get into a, a sales pursuit is that they just drop the ball. They don't follow up in a timely fashion. I'm of the belief that my client will never, ever, 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 ever wait for me for anything. I will always move at lightning speed to their turtle pace. And I see more often than not where I'm turning something around in a three-hour period, even though it may be complex, but yet other sales reps in the process don't respond for two to three days, even weeks later, um, to try and get something done when you're in a big pursuit. I, I like that you said you don't like to focus on people who don't hit their goals. It makes sense. Yeah. But, but there, you know, there are some people who don't hit their goals. Maybe they're getting told no. They're getting rejected quite a bit. How are you overcoming that? Again, I, I'm of the belief of no means you just haven't said yes yet. So any response is always a good response or even no response is, is a good response because I know at some point I'm going to get you to turn. I've got multiple case examples where and in my career where, you know, you hear no, 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 and you make that extra call and something else happens, right? Um, so I just use no as, hey, you got back to me or you didn't respond. I'm still going to continue because I know at the end of the day, you're still having this problem. So I want to break that down a little bit, Jack, right? So, you know, again, I'm a practitioner as well. I, I, I'm making cold calls every day. I'm doing this. So I've got some cadences that I'm running. I'm providing value in multiple outreaches, phone, LinkedIn, uh, email, et cetera. And I've gotten no, I've gotten go away. I've got, you know, how do I keep going without just truly annoying that person that I'm trying to reach out to when I know I have a solution that could help them? Right. Well, again, this goes back to my earlier statement. If you're providing things of how your company is going to solve the problem rather than your company has a problem and let's try and figure out a problem, a solution for that, a lot of times that falls on deaf ears. But when you talk about, talk to them about here's how, here's the problem I know you have today because it's been stated or, or somewhere out there, it gives you that in to be able to get to that individual and get them to think about it. And then you don't, don't stop it the person who you think is the right person. It's also reaching out to multiple people within an organization and trying to find a champion that will at least pick up the phone and hear what you have to say at some point in time. There's been many deals, even at Smarter HQ, where I need to be at a director of digital digital marketing or I need to be at a or VP of e-commerce, but I have to go into a mid-level manager to hear our story and then have them help me map out the organization and try and understand um, some of their issues so that I can take that up to those into to the higher levels. And are you sending them different content? Are you sending in the same content? Are you, are you reaching out to them all at the exact same time or, or you know, what's that look like? It's different content. Well, it, it's all of the above, right? It's the same content to different people because chances are 
the director of digital marketing is not looking what a manager is looking at. They're, they're not looking at each other's email. They're just seeing a message that's related back to them. Um, and it's typically, as I'm in a, in a sales cadence, it's it becomes a continual process where we continue to send those individuals information all the time, but we're trying to be a little bit different uh, with every different message that we have. I got it. So let's continue down that path of, of no or no response or that. And now we've got them. We've got them on the hook. We are engaged in a sales cycle. Talk to me about objection handling. Uh, how do you typically handle objections? Do you, because you've been doing this a long time, do you wait for them mm-hmm. to come to you? Do you get out in front of them? What's your approach there? I try and get out in front of objections before they even come to me. So if there's a limitation in our product and I know a competitor has it, I'm not afraid to say, hey, I wouldn't say we don't have this, but I would I would call out, if you're looking for this type of functionality, let's understand why you're looking for it because here's what we offer and here's why it's different and here's why we drive revenue, right? Um, being afraid to not address that only shows weakness, I think, at the end of the day. And it goes back to my, my philosophy in selling that people like, People buy from people they like and trust, right? And if you're willing to tell them what you can't do, but all the great things you can do, they start to they they lower their their barrier and they start to trust you a lot more, and it makes it a little bit easier at the end of the day. So, Jack, I just want to unpack that a little bit more, right? So, um, clearly, you're not going to just say that right out of the gate that hey, you know, we don't have this feature, and if you have if you need it, you know, we're we're lost because you're going to lose the deal. But when they come in and say, well, you know, we kind of do need this because competitor X has already been here, they've talked about how great it is, I- I've got to have it. How are you kind of digging out from that that hole? Well, it's it's asking the question, why do you need that functionality, right? And really digging into that and having them explain to you. So, for example, when I was at um, Exact Target. Silverpop used to talk about send time optimization and how important that was to their customers. And we'd always get the question, can you do send time optimization? And I'd always go back to them, well, why do you need it? Please explain to me why you need it. And they can never say why they need it. They just thought it was a cool feature. Hmm. And so then we'd say, well, here's where you're going to drive value. And here's how, here's the functionality that's going to help make you money in the long run. So if you, if you think you need the cool feature, let's talk about the features that are going to help you really drive and deliver um, value with our platforms. That's interesting. I like that. Jack, you've, you told me a lot of stuff about how the things that have made you successful. One of the things that my listeners have asked me quite a bit is Jim, this is great. Give us the other side of this. Can you take me to a time where this stuff just hasn't worked for you and you've absolutely failed? Uh, yeah. So one of my biggest failures happened while I was at Smarter HQ. I don't fail often, but when you do, you remember the failures. Um, I was at Luxottica and they were in, they, they brought us in for proof of concept. They were trying to do a, a project around retargeting individuals that were making appointments at the lens crafter stores. And me being the big shot sales guy walks in there thinking that I've got the entire team and never really asking the customer who are all the stakeholders in this project. Um, I just assumed that my girl that I was working with, Maya, was the, the final decision maker when really there were multiple decision makers in the process. And when it came down to it, I kept asking Maya, how are we doing? Oh, we like it. We like it. We like it. Um, I never bothered to ask who else are the stakeholders and what are their thoughts on this pro- on the uh, on our project. 
Well, as it turns out, when it came down to make a final decision, there was another guy, Joe, who is actually the true decision maker, who I only met at the very end. And when he saw us, he was like, oh, you guys are a very small company. We don't want to use you, and we don't believe you can do what you, what you say you can do, even though we had shown success through Maya. So not being able to find out who all the stakeholders were in a project and not, and not asking that question, just making general assumptions, uh, ended up costing me a deal that could have turned into a very nice size deal because of the multiple divisions at Luxottica. That's incredible, Jack. I appreciate you sharing that. We're going to take a, a quick break to thank our sponsors. But Jack, when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away and sales tuners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Sales tuners, Octave has built a sales productivity platform that streamlines the workflow for creating and managing your sales documents. Everything from presentations and quotes to all of your proposals and contracts. They can pull data from your CRM, CPQ, and ERP systems, saving you time and accelerating each sales opportunity. Octave has been around since 2010 and now serves more than 400 organizations. I'm talking global enterprises, guys, like GE and Siemens, national brands like Angie's List and FedEx Office, and even industry innovators like Double Dutch and Lindemood Bell. You've got to check them out. Go to Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com to learn more. And hey, during your demo, be sure to tell them you heard about them on the Sales Tuners podcast. We're back and it's time for the money round. Jack, are you ready for the money round? I am absolutely ready. I love it. What's- money is what <laughs> money. Anytime you say money, that's what motivates me, right? That's why we're in sales because we have the ability to make unlimited uh, earnings. So that's absolutely right. I'm with you. So, Jack, what's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? No means you haven't said yes yet. That is a model that I've lived by. I've taught my children to live by, which sometimes comes back to back. <laughs> Dad, I need that new iPhone. Um, but no, following no means you just haven't said yes yet. And continue to push forward every day is, is what's made me successful. If you were to start over today in sales, Jack, what would you spend the next 30 days doing? I would be at every trade show I could possibly go to. Um, and being networked with the highest individuals within an organization to really become friends with these people and get to know them offline because at the end of the day, it's they'll remember the conversation you had about their children or conversations that you had about their life, whatever they're doing, um, and, and really getting to know people from a face-to-face perspective so that when you do make that phone call or do send that email, they'll remember you and, and uh, pick up the phone or respond back to you. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? I hate to lose. I feel like that's the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I I win quite a bit, but if I lose, it means I haven't done my job. I have not informed them. I have not done something like I mentioned about Joe and the Luxottica deal. Um, That means I just, I failed myself and I failed my team. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Uh, I've read a bunch of books. If I read one, it's probably the, the most recent one would be either good to great or challenger sale. Right. Um, while I don't always agree with everything that's in the challenger sale, um, because I do believe relationships are a big part of what you do and, and they always say challenge, challenge, challenge. And, but, um, those are probably the two that I would recommend the most. Sales- and then the other one, the other one that I really liked, uh, which I learned early in my career was who moved my cheese. 
Salesooners, if you would like to check out Jack's suggestion of good to great for free, head on over to salesooners.com slash book. There you can sign up for a 30-day free trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salesooners.com slash book. Jack, what's the biggest piece of advice uh, that you have for all the salesooners out there grinding today? If you think you're done for the day and you've had a very bad day of prospecting, make an extra call. Always make at least one extra call a day because that's when you're going to find the lead that you least expected it. Um, Happened to me early in my career. I was selling a tangible product door-to-door, face-to-face. Called in. I had made 32 cold calls in one day, uh, all being told no face-to-face. Called, went to the payphone, picked up the phone, called in to see if there was any orders or any messages for me back in the office. And I had a choice, either go home or make one more sales call. I made that extra sales call and closed the deal for $1,000 where I made 300 bucks in commission. So it always taught me to make that one extra sales call no matter how bad the day is going. I'll get you out here on this one, Jack. How could someone find you or connect with you if they wanted to after the show today? Sure. You can find me at, at Jack Kuzner uh, and Twitter. Or you can look me up on LinkedIn at Jack Kuzner. Jack, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time today and joining us on the show. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Great to be here. I truly enjoyed that conversation today with Jack. And I want to get to my top takeaways. Number one is find your champion. When prospecting, pursue multiple players inside the organization. Don't just stop at the person you think is the right person. But by reaching out to multiple people, you're more than likely to find someone who will at least pick up the phone and hear what you have to say, potentially becoming your champion on the inside. Number two, don't go it alone. Let other people assist you whenever possible. Jack talked about the idea of always wanting to be the dumbest person in the right room. Doing so pushes him and makes him look at and think about things differently. Number three, find the real pain. Whether you're prospecting or right in the middle of a sales cycle, what your product or service does is irrelevant. You have to understand and focus on the actual pain the prospect has and use their words to build your business case. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guest, please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there.